You're listening to another episode of Heatwave Radio's Classic Movies Live, the pre-recorded show where we talk about movies that just came out. And today, we're going to be talking about a movie that is sure to be a big Oscar contender this year. Uh, despite being a directorial debut, this is the first ever movie directed by Lin-Manuel Miranda, Tick, Tick, Boom, a biopic about Jonathan Larson, the man who wrote Rent, the musical. This is, I, I say this every time, this movie's hard to spoil, but I guess we kind of do. I don't think it really matters. It's a biopic. Most of the stuff that we talk about is just stuff that happened in Jonathan Larson's life. But if you um, don't want to be spoiled for this movie, probably just go and watch the movie first. We'll be here. And probably watch the movie first anyway, because uh, here's a little bit of a spoiler for this episode. We both really liked this movie. Without further ado, we're going to get started talking about it. But just to add a little bit of uh, further ado in there, here's the opening song from Tick, Tick, Boom. 3090 Stop the clock Take time out Time to regroup the bounce freeze the frame back it up time to refocus before they wrap it up years are getting shorter lines on your face are getting longer like you're treading water About the riptides getting stronger Don't panic, don't jump ship Can't fight it like taxes At least it happens only once in your life They're singing happy birthday You just want to lay down and cry Not just another birthday It's 39 episode of Heatwave Radio's Classic Movies Live, the pre-recorded show where we talk about musicals occasionally. And today we're going to talk about uh, a new musical that came out on Netflix in November, I want to say. So maybe uh, we're a yeah. little late to the party here, but not not that late. Um, yeah, this is one that uh, is, is getting a little bit of awards buzz and... Um, I guess we'll talk about whether or not it deserves it. But the the first thing we got to talk about is The Elephant in the Room. This movie we're talking about today, Tick, Tick, Boom, is the directorial debut by uh, Broadway's favorite man, Lin-Manuel Miranda. And Pierre, what do you know about Lin-Manuel Miranda? This is the uh, quiz. I, I'm not trying to quiz I know you he, does, he likes music. 
Um, <laughs> no, he's obviously very famous for his uh, his role in Hamilton, where I guess he starred, wrote, and produced it. Um, uh, obviously, to great success as Hamilton's definitely the most successful. Actually, like it, it's the only Broadway show I've really seen have such a big, at least in in the past decade, have have such a big effect on. I guess the main mainstream uh audiences in terms of well i guess like because we don't we don't obviously don't have like a hamilton movie out but we have the hamilton filmed hamilton filmed state or play on disney plus um and also due to that success lin-manuel miranda has seen lots of work uh not just even in relation to music but like obviously he's he's worked a lot with disney um on i guess moana and the recent Encanto, uh, I think there's one more I'm missing, right? Well, he's he's worked on uh, Star Wars as well with Disney. He did. Um, yeah, he he did like back. He he wasn't like the main score composer, but I think at least for the Force Awakens, he composed like the Cantina music, and oh, I cool. think he may have been like he was he was probably around for the composition of the scores for the other for the other movies though i don't know how involved he was if at all yeah well either way like definitely a, a disney sweetheart right now um which is never a bad thing to have as someone that wants to be in show business especially now um and then also he's i actually i remember really liking him in uh curb your enthusiasm he had like a extended guest role in i think season nine or something um playing opposite of Larry David. And I thought he was really funny in that. So it's not just musicals. He's doing other stuff too. Um, I mean, in that he was playing himself. So I guess it's a little different, but, uh, but, Mm -hmm. and his latest thing, this is his directorial debut uh, produced by Netflix. um, And, uh, and it's called Tick, Tick, Boom, which is, I guess, another musical, but he, yeah, he didn't write this, the music in this one, right? Because it's based off something else. No, this is Tick, Tick, Boom is an adaptation of the musical Tick, Tick, Boom, which is originally a one man show by Jonathan Larson, who composed and wrote Rent, which was like the big musical of the late 90s. And it came out in 1997, ran for 12 years on Broadway, did gangbusters, got an, got like a huge high-profile movie release with most of the original cast, um, and has gone on to be immensely influential, and also like when re-eval- upon reevaluation, pretty controversial, surprisingly. Um, but it was a really big deal because Rent was probably not the first, but the first high profile musical to really, really, really deal with um, with uh, homosexuality and transsexuality and also the AIDS crisis specifically. So it dealt with all of those things in the context of the AIDS crisis. Uh, it was at least it was very heavily based on Jonathan Larson's own experiences with um, a lot of his friends dying from AIDS. And so he put that together in along with 
his personal experiences of being a um, more or less failed artist in New York's in like lower income New York City and turned it into rent. And this movie is not about that, but it is about his life because it's kind of a biopic about Jonathan Larson. Yeah, well, I guess at least in the lead up to uh, his first rehearsal, is that what it's called? It's the lead up to his first workshop for his first musical, which was never produced. Okay, yeah. Um, sorry, I actually this is cool. I, I never really thought about how the the theater industry worked, um, and it was I guess it was cool to just see the a sort of behind the scenes process of how that actually works. Um, mm-hmm. But but yeah, so it, it is a biopic, um, and. Uh, I don't know. I, I guess this this might be very close to Lin Manuel Miranda's heart in terms of maybe Jonathan Larson, someone that really inspired him, um, which is why he chose watched, to make this uh, as a directorial debut. Mm-hmm. I watched um, a lot of behind the scenes stuff for this uh, in the lead up to recording this episode, and he says that that's exactly it. Uh, Rent was something he got to see on his 17th birthday, and shortly after that, he saw the off-Broadway production of... Or he says he saw the off-Broadway production of Tick, Tick, Boom. Obviously, I believe him. But if he saw Rent first, then Jonathan Larson was already dead. So I'm wondering, like, if he saw it with a different cast or if he saw a bootleg of it or what exactly. But anyway, um, Jonathan Larson's music was a big influence on him. And Jonathan Larson's story (coughs) was a similarly big influence on him because... um, he f- seem he seems to say that like or he said that he kind of feels like he can relate to it in almost a unique way because he's also had the specific experience of um trying and initially failing to become a uh musical theater um composer in New York and I say initially failing, ultimately he's, you know, one of the most successful musical theater people in the world right now, Yeah, but he wasn't always that way. Yeah. It, it probably was a very, yeah, definitely an inspiring tale for him. Um, and I guess mm-hmm. I, he probably hopes to inspire other people through this work. Um, and I, honestly, I, I do feel, I mean, you could, yeah, I, I feel inspired in terms of, I thought Lin-Manuel Miranda, really put a lot of you could feel there was so much passion behind behind the camera and what he was doing it felt like every every part of this movie even though it was i feel like biopics it's there's a lot of ways you can kind of allow allow yourself to be more passive if that makes sense um he he takes a very active role in in directing this movie if that makes sense mm-hmm. um a, a lot of the a lot of the scenes that like are very like well thought out and well framed and uh, just a lot. There's he, he did a lot more with this than I think a lot of other directors might have done, if that makes sense. Um, because mm-hmm. of the passion I think he felt. Yeah, and I think um, unlike... Th- this movie is so unique, even in terms of musical adaptations, because I think like 
Um, when you're adapting anything, it's really easy to just, you know, take the page of the play or the musical and just translate that into do this, but we're going to have a camera on you. And not only did he not do that here, he completely rearranges everything, but um, he takes this very small one-man show, because that's what Tick, Tick, Boom is originally, and he manages to weave it through a biopic of um, Jonathan Larson while adding in these larger-than-life components that are typical of musicals, but actually don't really work except on screen. Like uh, there's so many sequences in this that just could not work on a small budget off off Broadway production. They like really need the medium of film. And it's really impressive because I, I would imagine that probably 10 years ago, if you asked anyone in, um, if you asked anyone in the musical business what they thought would be, um, a, which musicals they thought would make really good movies, very few people would have said that little one-man show, Tick, Tick, Boom. Yeah, and well, honestly, I thought it was a really cool way of, I mean, there was so many levels when I think about it now, like, it was... Um, it was a musical about uh, making a musical. So there were songs from the musical he was making. And then I feel like there were songs in the flashbacks of the musical. And then there was this, there was the musical itself. Does that make sense? Like mm-hmm. there were like three levels of potential songs that they were, and they're all kind of simultaneously like feeding the story in a natural way um, that never mm-hmm. felt forced. Cause like, like the song, there's that one song, I mean, part a big part of the plot is that there's one song that Jonathan Larson is trying to write, um, and he knows he has to write it, but he doesn't write it until like he he has writer's block until like 12 hours before uh, the play actually has its workshop um, and is presented, mm-hmm. and he has to write it all. Um, but the way they show that scene and how like it's it's a song for his play, but the that song reflects both on his life at the time and then also his life when he is uh talking about it in the future if that makes sense it's it's, i don't know it's hard to say but like each song permeates to each level of timeline in this i guess and it uh it really has a great big effect when that works really well like that song was really really well done and probably one of my Mm -hmm. favorites um not just because of the song but because of how you know it affects so many parts of the story um, yeah. Yeah. So, which I, I like because I like it when I guess each of the songs have meaning too, which I think this movie do, did as well. And they were very catchy too. I, I don't usually like Lin Manuel Miranda songs, if I'm going to be honest. Uh, or I like, I don't usually like his style, but I thought it actually really worked well here. Well, I mean, you're in luck because none of these are Lin Manuel Miranda's songs. Yeah, that might be why. <laughs> but I guess it's not even like the way. I guess the way he directed it too and stuff. Um, I thought yeah. it was always very fun, um, and it felt original. And um, you know, it didn't feel like he was simply using someone else's songs. If that makes sense, he really understood it and used it and filmed it in a way that uh, I think brought 
each song justice, even though I don't know mm-hmm. much. Maybe, maybe someone else would feel different if they knew the play better. But yeah. Well, yeah, it's really interesting because he took that play and he he adds on to it. And when he's adding on to it, he's like, he also is making sure that all of the songs as they come up are, you know, make make sense and speak to every level of this, as you're saying. I think um, I in one of the behind the scenes featurettes that I saw, uh, that I saw, he said he... Um, he had to rearrange a lot of the songs from the uh, he rearranged a lot of the songs from the original play, and also he took out two, he added back two from a different version. He added in like the the two songs from Jonathan Larson's first musical; those were never released to the public before. So, like this is probably the first time they're being performed even is just in this movie. Mm. And then, um, you know, he's basically treating this to a degree. He's treating this as a, uh, as a jukebox musical with the theme being Jonathan Larson. Um, but then once he had all the songs, he says he started basically by taking all the songs and then he arranged what order they need to come in. So like, this is probably very similar to uh, the original, the original musical in when, when the songs are the same, but he rearranged them so that he could turn this into, you know, so that he could use his approach to storytelling to tell a very cohesive story, despite having all those layers. Yeah. Um, and I like how the, the layers didn't like, like, I, I feel like there, there is a very easy way for this to be confusing because of like all the layers of mm-hmm. uh, timeline, but I think the editing was seamless. Like, I, I thought it did a really great job of cutting back. Like, it, I think it would use like the the structure of the play tick tick boom when telling talking about the past to almost like really help it skip over like things that probably weren't important or um, uh, just speed things up if that makes sense, right? Like it was a it was a great tool in making mm-hmm. sure the movie had a really tight pacing because if something was wrong, I feel like they can just cut back to the play tick tick boom and and just watch him recite it if that makes sense. Um, yeah, and I like I, I thought that was really great, and I was uh, like especially like there's that one scene where um, Jonathan Larson and his girlfriend are having a fight and um they're cutting they 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 have this he makes this song where he's kind of discussing uh the the way they feel or like the way their argument is kind of going subconsciously but then and then it'll Mm -hmm. cut back to the the past where it's actually happening and they're not singing in that but like i guess it's connected to the music in a way that that was really cool it was a good really cool way of framing it and it's a really nice way. Of, yeah, it was, it was a really good juxtaposition, especially because the song is really happy and bouncy and the argument is very much not. So um, it kind of brings a little bit of levity to make that argument, which, again, I mean, I'm probably going to say this a lot. I feel like it would have been really easy to just have that be an argument and, um, you know, we've seen that argument a million times in movies and they could have just done that. No, uh, no music at all. Could have just been an argument between them. One of them walks out. 
And then we go on to the next scene. That would have been really easy, but the way that they juxtaposed it with the with the happy, bouncy song Therapy is what it's called. Um, I thought that worked really well to keep it both entertaining and keep me engaged in what was actually being argued about. Because, mm-hmm. like, had there not been that song there, I would have easily tuned out of that argument because, you know, again, I've seen it a million times in movies. Yeah, well, that, I think that's one thing that kind of worries me about this movie that it, it's extremely cliche. Like, there's not, I mean, obviously it's the story of someone's life, which isn't fair, but I feel like this is, you know, the decision between a, uh, a, someone in, sh- in shows and uh, the entertainment industry really struggles between when they should quit and all their friends quitting, are they getting too old and following their passion, right? Despite, I guess, mm-hmm. having to suffer. Um, which honestly I mean, immediately made me kind of compare this to La La Land in some ways, even though they're very, very different movies. Um, but yeah, like the, essentially like a lot of these scenes we've kind of seen variations of before. I mean, uh, I, I feel like a lot of people in the entertainment industry probably have a story that involves a lot of similar aspects, even though the details are diff- a lot different. So well, I feel like that's um, that's where I think that Lin-Manuel Miranda comes in as a fantastic director for this because he knows that a lot of these scenes and this basic story is... Yeah, I don't know if cliche is fair to say because, again, it is someone's life, but a lot of this stuff is similar to things we've already seen, which is why... But the movie itself, I don't think is because of how interestingly it's directed. Like, I've seen every every element of this movie I've seen before, but I've never seen them put together in this way. Yeah, for sure. Like, the, the, the telling of the story is very original, which I like. I think mm-hmm. helps yeah. keep it propped up. Especially, I guess... Um, the ending, I mean, again, it's it's a biopic, so it's hard to judge the story. I guess the ending does kind of subvert a lot of potential expectations, I guess. I don't know. Um, but, like, it, it doesn't entirely offer resolution in the actual story for obvious reasons, because it's it's someone's okay. life story. Um, but, yeah, anyways, I, I, I guess that's something. I mean, <laughs> I was thinking this before I realized this was, like, this was a, a biopic of someone else. So maybe that's why like the thoughts are there. Um, but yeah, I, it's, it's hard not to compare it to, to a lot of other movies, I guess. But wait, you're right. The way they told it was unique. Um, and I thought like, not just presentation wise, I thought all, all the, like the performances were really, I guess, vigorous and really helped bring a lot of um, emotion and, I guess, relatability to the characters that might not have existed with a different cast, potentially. Mm-hmm. Like, I guess Andrew Garfield. Specifically, Andrew Garfield, yeah. yeah. He was fantastic in this. Yeah, I mean, this is this is coming right off the his Spider-Man run, so maybe I'm on, like, the Andrew Garfield hype train, but I, I did think he was... I mean, I haven't seen him in a movie for a while, actually. I know he's been acting, but I think it's mostly been smaller stuff kind of similar to this right um he he does do a lot on in theater as well so yeah yeah i remember i think i remember hearing he was like 
Was it? No, no, that was someone else. Never mind. I, was, I take it back. I was going to say he was in that play with Chris Evans in like 2019, but I think that was Michael Sarah. I don't know why I confused them. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, he does, he does show, I guess, passion for Broadway. Um, but yeah, like the last, I think the last role I, I've heard of him playing in, I think it was Hacksaw Ridge or maybe Silence, which I think were both 2016, 2017. Um, yeah, Hacksaw Ridge and Silence in 2016. He did one movie in 2017 and one movie in 2018. Um, but during that time, he was also in a play called Angels in America on Broadway, which uh, is like six hours long. So I can imagine he may not have had a lot of time for other things while that was running. And then last year, he was in a movie called Mainstream, and then this year he was in a movie called The Eyes of Tammy Faye and also Tick, Tick, Boom and also, mm. you know, Spider-Man. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I guess this is the most invigorated, like, role I've seen him in in a while. I, I, I haven't felt this way about him since, like, The Social Network, I guess. I remember back then when I first saw him, I was really excited about his career in the future. Um, mm-hmm. And now, once again, I'm very excited to see his future <laughs> because... Yeah, it, it feels like a resurgence of Andrew Garfield, and um, I don't know. Hopefully, we'll see him maybe take some more. I mean, I, okay, it's hard to say because I was gonna say more uh, challenging roles in the future, but I mean, he's been in a Martin Scorsese movie. Like he he's already been to I, the top. Yeah, I don't think that and the David uh, Fincher movie. Like, what am I saying? From the from the roles that I've seen Andrew Garfield in, I don't think that he's in any danger of like not being able to identify challenging roles. I've seen him in like one movie where I didn't think he had to try too hard, but even in that one, he was fine. Like he's, he's typically an incredible actor. Yeah. I guess, I guess I'd like to, he feels like one of those actors that I feel like could be a lot bigger if he, if he wanted to, but isn't, if that makes sense, I guess, cause it's not important to him, but like actors like, Actually, it's just him. I was going to say, like, Tom, maybe Tom Hardy, but Tom Hardy just kind of picks stupid roles for some reason. <laughs> so I think that's more of a Tom Hardy, like, isn't great at picking roles issue, or he doesn't care about taking challenging roles. Um, but yeah, I, I hope to see a lot more of him uh, after this movie. I thought he played a very, like, charismatic, charismatic and very empathetic character if that makes sense um mm-hmm. and I, I feel like i feel like there was a lot of room in this movie for for him to actually like mess up and not feel genuine but um it, it was really good and he yeah mm-hmm. he he pulled me in a lot yeah uh i mean the the oscar nominations are not out yet as of recording this and probably as of when this releases but um he is in a lot of people's like predictions for being nominated for this role. And I think rightfully so. Oh, for sure. I can only think of in terms of lead actors, like maybe, maybe Dev Patel could be in the running. Actually, maybe not. I don't know why. Maybe not Dev Patel. There's probably someone else I'm not thinking of. I can't think of anyone else. Benedict Cumberbatch, Nicholas Cage, Power of the Dog, Simon Rex. Yeah. Oh, oh, I hope he doesn't. <laughs> That's really? for another you didn't episode. Like Cumberbatch in that? Okay. I mean, he was good. Wasn't he more of a su- 
Was he a sub? No, I guess he was a main character. No, he was he was very much the main character. Okay. Um. Yeah. Anyways, I I think Andrew Garfield's definitely gonna be nominated. I I hope I'm not jinxing that, but feels like a shoe in <laughs> for that right now. Um. But yeah, and and it, there wasn't actually the cast wasn't that stacked when I think about it. All the performances were really good. Um, yeah. I noticed Vanessa Hudgens was here. I'm not really yep. sure why <laughs> she was in. The, like, she was nice to see and stuff, but she didn't really have much of a... I, I guess her role in specific was an odd role to choose, like, a, a bigger star, a relatively bigger star, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. Because she didn't yeah. have that much screen time. Like, she, she had a couple, like, songs, I guess, but... And in terms well, of her character, was, we don't really get much from her. She was singing on almost every song. Well, like backing vocals, though. Or not backing yeah, vocals, yeah. but like... She she was there as kind of like a singing prop, almost. Um, well, because Andrew Garfield, Joshua Henry, and Vanessa Hudgens are the three that make up... Uh, the three that are in the framing device performing Tick, Tick, Boom. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I like, I, it just felt like an odd choice. I mean, I, I like Vanessa Hudgens. I'm happy she was here. Um, it, it, I was just surprised that I thought her, I, I definitely thought she was going to be, end up being like the main love interest, um, after a while, but that never happened. Her, her character is just mostly there to, to be singing, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Um, and, but I, I mean like the, I can't remember, I'm sorry. I can't remember. I don't know their names, but I think like the. The guy that played Jonathan's roommate was really, really, really good in his role. Um, Robin de uh, Robin de Jesus, who we talked about in Camp. Really? Yeah, he's the kid from Camp. The kid. Oh my god, that's crazy. Yeah, that is so weird. Okay, um, he was fantastic in this, by the way. Yeah, I, I loved him. I thought uh, I liked how his character was was such like a source of comfort for Jonathan while also challenging him to, to be better, if that makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. I thought he struck a really good balance of that. And uh, I got to say as well, I've, I saw Robin De Jesus in this obviously, and also in a movie called the boys in the band, which is an adaptation of the play of the same name. Um, and while I didn't, I didn't care for his character in that movie, but like he was still really good in it. But the point I'm trying to make here, the thing I want to say is he is a fantastic actor who has been primarily on Broadway. And that's great. If that's what he wants to do, uh, you know, I love it. Sure. However, he is depriving all of the movie going public of his skills. And we need to see him in more movies. He's really good. And like, I really enjoy seeing him on screen and I want to see him on screen more often because he's incredible. I want to see, like I want to see him in more roles and this was a great role for him. It would be, I've only seen him in supporting roles. I don't know if he could do a, you know, be a good main role, but I want to see more supporting roles and maybe a main role. If that eventually comes up. Yeah. He's just got to be in more movies. Yeah. He's such an electric performer. It would be really cool if he got, I mean, it's very doubtful, but if he got some attention from the Academy, I think that'd be interesting. Um, for this for this movie, I kind of doubt it, but it would be cool. It would be I cool. would love it. 
uh, who else? Oh yeah, we have. Uh, what do you think of Alexandra Ship as Susan Wilson? She was very good. Um, I don't know what all I have to say about her. I don't think she sang too, too much, so I can't really... I mean, she did sing. She had musical numbers, but I can't comment too much on her singing. And in terms of acting, like, she was really good. Um, Like, uh, gosh, I'm I'm trying to think of adjectives. (laughs) While I'm trying to think of adjectives... Why don't why don't you say what you thought of Alexandra Ship? Uh, like I'd agree. I think like the the role was. I mean, I, I guess there's not too too much you can do with it. I thought I thought she nailed all all the emotional beats really well, um, and like her scenes, like there is that one scene where where she does sing that I thought was really really emotional. Um, mm-hmm. she does really well, I guess, and. Uh, I don't know, just like I, I guess she wasn't given too much to work with. Um, maybe I wish the she was maybe able to capture more like charisma to kind of fair like fair like match up with Andrew Garfield's if that makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, I, I thought I thought she, uh, I, I still thought she did a really good job, man. Um, she brought a really emotional performance, I guess, despite, I guess she, she wasn't in the movie as much as I'm like trying to think because she kind of gets cut out of it halfway through. I want to say. I think that, uh, her role in this is kind of falls victim to something that I don't think is anyone's fault necessarily on this movie, but it's something that I find myself thinking about more and more. The more movies we talk about where, we're trying to talk about the female leads. Like for example, in our Anna Kendrick series, there's so many movies where she's a supporting character who just doesn't get as much screen time as the male lead because the story is about the male lead. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what happens to Alexandra ship here. She gets a lot of screen time. Like, don't get me wrong. She gets a lot of screen time. She does as much with it as she can. And she's great in the role. But at the end of the day, it's Jonathan Larson's story. So it's hard for me to talk too much about her character because she exists as a supporting character to Jonathan Larson. And while I think she brings as much to that role as she can and that she does really well in it, I mean, there's a reason I had to stop for an adjectives break to try and think of adjectives there. It's like there's there's not too much that immediately sticks out about the role, which... Again, I don't think that's necessarily the fault of anyone in this movie particularly. I think it's just that the landscape of storytelling at the moment is primarily centered on uh, telling stories about guys. And in this case, this is a really good story about what about a guy. And that's all this story needs to be. It's just that there's a lot of those. So like, I don't know. That's not me throwing shade at anyone in this, <laughs> yeah. at, at anyone involved in this movie. It's just we've been talking about a lot of stories about dudes recently, and this is another one of those. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it's hard to criticize because again, it's it's just the way the movie was kind of framed. Exactly. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, other than that, I can't think of any other like highlights. I thought I thought all the side characters were like very 
very welcoming presence and like they weren't lame or anything. It's just, I guess that was the focus of the story. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, Oh, I really liked a lot of the music too. Like, what, what, do you have any favorite songs that you want to list off? Oh gosh. I liked a lot of the music. I think if I had to say a favorite song, it would just be 3090. 3090, the opening number, that is my favorite song. I think that probably the strongest, in in my opinion, one of the, like, my favorite musical performance from Andrew Garfield in this is Boho Days, the second song that where he's just going around the party, like, trying to get everybody to clap along and sing oh, a cappella with him. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, I think he does that just really strongly. And also, I saw some behind-the-scenes stuff about how they did that. And it was as improvised as he possibly could. I mean, it was a song that existed, but it's basically him going around. It's it's him playing the role of Jonathan Larson trying to revive the party and, like, just going around pointing out things in his apartment to song because – if he can get people to sing along, then they won't be bored and then they won't go home. And so I think it's a really good song conceptually. And I think that as a performance, he like knocks it out of the park with that song. Um, beyond that, I really, really, really liked the first, um, the first song from his musical. Uh, the one that's about the first ever international face awards or something. It's lyrically so stupid, but it's super catchy. And I love just how stupid it is lyrically. Like I'm sure it's very meaningful in the context of that play, but we don't know what that play is actually like. We don't know the full context of that play. So it's just patently ridiculous. And I think it's hilarious and also super catchy. Like I said, yeah, I like, uh, yeah, a lot of the music's really, really catchy. Um, again, I, I guess at first I thought, because this was, I thought it was a Lin-Manuel Miranda musical. I was surprised for liking, but now that I realize it's different, it makes sense. Um, yeah, I really like the one song uh, during the play that he was writing. Um, I, I liked the one at the end and the, I think the, the breakup song, not just, I mean, the song itself isn't amazing, but just the concept of of the song itself and flashing back to the argument was really cool. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, lots of cool stuff. Uh, in there. One other one that I want to, um, one other one I want to draw attention to because the first time I saw this movie, this was my favorite song from this musical, and it's not anymore, but it's still up there because I just love the sequence it's associated with. Uh, the song Sunday when he's doing Sunday brunch at the diner. Um, That is an homage to a Stephen Sondheim song called Sunday from Sunday in the park with George. And um, I love the way that this song is, uh, is staged in this movie where suddenly the diner just stops and he's like directing everybody and talking about tranquility and like, not even subtly just like pointing at people and saying this guy should probably be at home because then he wouldn't be getting on my goddamn nerves so much. And then he like steps out and uh, everyone and like the entire ensemble comes out 
and they all sing Sunday and he gets a bit and his diner turns into a marquee. I love the framing of that so much. The first time I saw this, I laughed out loud in the theater the moment I saw it. It's, it's such a, I think that that's, that's another thing where I come back to the beauty of Lin-Manuel Miranda as a director is it's not just that the songs are good and that the um, devices are good that they appear in, but like, the framing of every specific song too is so deliberate. And when he pulls it off, he like really pulls it off. Like Sunday is such a well thought out um, part of the movie. Uh, Actually in the, in the background feature that I saw, they actually storyboarded. They only storyboarded a few parts of this movie and that was one of them. So they like, so like that and Boho Days and Come to Your Senses, the one that you said you liked, like those are such, or M Therapy, those are such well thought out, well directed um, performances of those songs that like, I mean, I just love those. I, I love how much thought goes into every song and how every song is staged in this movie. Yeah. I think that's that's definitely what made I I, I don't know I, I feel like it was it would have been very easy to frame a, a lot of these songs in a pretty lame way but he he mm-hmm. found his own style and he really brought a lot of these songs to life um, and again with the back and forth editing too it, it adds a whole nother layer to each of the songs um, also like uh, like Andrew Garfield surprising I, I wasn't expecting him to. I mean, he's not an amazing. He doesn't have an amazing voice, but he's he's a pretty good singer, from what yeah. I can tell. Yeah, he did. Um, you know, he did great in. I mean, he had to carry, not carry, but he was singing in all but I believe two or three songs. So like, Ooh. he's and and he's great in each of those songs. Um, this isn't the kind, this isn't like one of those cases where an actor is miscast in a musical who actually can't sing. I don't know if Andrew Garfield has done much singing before this, uh, before this movie, but, um, I mean, if he hasn't, he, I can definitely see him in another musical after it. But anyway, I think that's pretty much it for Tick, Tick, Boom. So before we wrap things up here, Pierre, what do you think, uh, what would you give this movie if you had to put a, if you had to slap a number on it? I'd say it's like definitely an eight. Really, really solid. Uh, lots of passion. I just, I think part of me, like I, I want to give it higher, but even like, even the eight though, it's not, it doesn't feel like a particularly special, special slash memorable movie if that makes sense very great top to bottom but i feel like there's like there's maybe room lin-manuel miranda can improve i think this is an amazing first feature mm-hmm. by the way it was amazing for a first feature but yeah i, I hope in the future i don't know I, I, I guess it just felt like it was maybe it's because it's a musical and i have a hard time relating to those but i, I feel like there was like some kind of spark missing that would bring this higher even though like, i couldn't give you any flaws right now i can't give it a above an eight just because it's, I think it's missing the certain magical factor that would bring me back to this movie. 
um, or make this particularly memorable. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would basically agree. I'm actually not sure about, yeah, I'm not sure about what it's missing either. I don't even know. I don't, I don't think that's quite as much of an issue for me, but I also don't know if I can justify much higher than an eight. Like I'll say a strong eight, but um, mm-hmm. yeah. And as, as a debut, this is one of the finest debuts I've seen in a long time. It's incredible. Um, yeah. And like, I, I have, <laughs> again, in that behind the scenes feature that I watched, Lin-Manuel Miranda said that he knew for a while that if he was only ever going to make one movie, it would be this one. This is the one he, he wants mm-hmm. to make. And like, if he only can do one and it's this one, he's happy. And that's great. Mm-hmm. I hope that he does get a chance to do something else because if he can take this debut and improve on it, my God, that's going to be incredible. That would be really like, good. Yeah. I, um, I don't know that I, I well, I, I think that like, this is something truly special in terms of movie musicals for me. So I definitely Mm. like, I would definitely say that. Um, But yeah, I I think that like, if this movie, if this movie does make an appearance or many appearances at the Academy Awards this year, it will be well-deserved. And I would like to see that happen. For sure, yeah, I agree. I, I think we are gonna definitely. So this is probably the strongest, I guess, Oscar straight up Oscar contender I've seen this year. From aside of anything I haven't seen yet. <laughs> so, well, speaking yeah. of things you haven't seen yet, uh, next week let's see if we can top this in terms of strong Oscar contenders. We're gonna watch Paul Thomas Anderson's new movie, Licorice Pizza. That sounds amazing, uh, Jeff. What's the last word? Uh, I would like a number two, but put on licorice instead of salami. (laughs) 